Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Coops, I'm your host, and today I'm happy to welcome back returning guest, uh, mystery writer Sarah Rosette. Welcome back to the show, Sarah. Hi, good to see you again. Oh, it's, a, it's always a pleasure to, to chat with you. Um, of course, last week I posted up the, the interview that we did together on your show, because you're now a podcaster since the last time I talked to you, so congratulations on your new show. Thanks. We're having a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it's 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 a good time. I've been really enjoying all of your episodes, and uh, your yeah. dynamic with Jamie is a lot of fun. And you know, yeah. you've had some some uh, some fun topics to discuss. But we've uh, had some great guests. Thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate being invited. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and um, hope to do it again sometime in the future. And, yeah, I um, hope so. I'm excited because you also have just put out a new book. Um, mm-hmm. So congratulations on how to write a series which I am mm-hmm. reading currently and having a blast reading. So um, I'm excited to talk to, to you a little bit about that on the show today. And um, maybe we can talk a little bit, like what made you, what inspired you to write How to Write a Series? Where did this come from uh, for you? Well, so I write in cozy mystery and historical mystery. And so most mysteries are a series. And when I first started writing, I looked around, I did some research, and I really couldn't find much information on writing a series. Everything mm-hmm. on how to write a book, it was all about how to write a single book. Yeah. And most of it was about like the hero's journey, you know, yep. the big transition from the beginning to the end. And so I was like, okay, I'll just get the book written. So I just kind of dove in and I had a couple of ideas for the series, but I just really didn't know what I was doing at all. So this is all uh, what I've discovered over time, and I've kind of figured out. Now I think there's more information about writing a series, but um, so I just took everything that I wish I'd known and threw it in the mm-hmm. book. <laughs> yeah, and it's such an interesting point because like, we do hear this, you know, sort of basic you know, hero's journey premise all the time, as if that's the only type of novel there is. When it's not, right? Um, right. Of course, we talk to yeah. romance writers frequently on this show, and you know, of course, the romance structure is very different. Right, um, and then of course you write mysteries, which is a very different structure because you've mm-hmm. got this whodunit setup, right? And it's it's not a hero's journey at all. And a lot of times, I know you mentioned in the in the uh, book that a lot of times these are more of a flat arc type of a character, mm-hmm. where right. they're not changing a lot, um, right? So yeah, it lends itself to like a real episodic type mm-hmm. storyline. Like you can have a if you have a character that the main character doesn't change a whole lot, like Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. You know, Perot, Agatha Christie, um, even James Bond would be like a flat arc. Yeah. You know, you have them drop in, they solve the mystery or get the bad guy, and then they go on. And then, so you can do that over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like no limit to how many you can write as long as it's intriguing to your readers. Absolutely. And of course, too, once, I mean, you talk a lot about the benefits of writing a series in the book, of that mm-hmm. people do love getting invested yeah. in characters and reading more about this world. Yeah. Once they've done the hard work of learning about your characters in the mm-hmm. first place, like, they want to come back. Yeah. Um, so, and even in, you know, what you described as robust arcs for characters, mm-hmm. like, you use the example of Harry Potter, of right. course, like, there's seven books there. We've got to mm-hmm. see something happen. But that so, can be so daunting for a writer starting mm-hmm. out, especially if you don't right. know you're going to write more books. So um, maybe you can talk, maybe we can start there with maybe you can okay. talk about what, explain to the listeners what the different types of um, okay. series are and how. Okay. We, yeah. Well, so this is just like how I've sorted them out in mm-hmm. my 
brain because it helps me kind of fit things in different slots. But to me, it seems like there's the multi-protagonist series, which is like you see it a lot in romance. So like you've got it's a series, but it's really loosely linked. So it might be linked by the town, the family, something like that. And like you have two main characters or a main character. And then the next book it's completely different main characters, but you'll sometimes see, you know, those original main characters come back, you know, you get a glimpse of them down the road. So like that's really loosely structured and really open-ended. You can do a lot with that. And then I feel like there's also like the single protagonist series where you like, you've got a main character like Sherlock Holmes or, you know, like Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So, and I feel like that type can be broken down into two different, categories so you've got like the flat arc like, like we talked about where the character doesn't change a whole lot mm-hmm. but usually the characters around the main character change and grow and then you've got the robust arc character like harry potter where you know he has a journey that he goes on it's almost the hero's you know very commonly it's the hero's journey in mm-hmm. that type of series and those usually have a pretty well-defined endpoint. yeah because you know when they reach the end of their arc you know yeah. What are you going to do? Right, <laughs> so. yeah. You use the example in the book of, of Frodo Baggins, who, when he finally mm-hmm. does destroy the ring, the story's over, even right. though it takes, you know, a really long time to get yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely, you know, a, a different way of structuring. Let's, can we talk about the, um, let's talk about the multi-plot, or the, I'm sorry, the multi-protagonist type of series just for a mm-hmm. second, because I want to uh, mention this. You, of course, mentioned uh, in the book Jamie Albright, who's your, yeah. know, your co, co-podcaster, um, she right. has a series that's based around a theme, which is the Brides right. on the Run series. So, like, it's always mm-hmm. going to be a bride running away from a wedding. Um, right. What are some of your tips for maybe choosing how to connect the books in your multi-protagonist series? How strong of a link does it need to be? What are some of your tips there? Okay. Well, I think that it can be – it's so flexible. You can do whatever you want with it. So. I think for romance, uh, a trope is a really strong way to connect your series because romance readers, you know, if they can find the trope they like, they, you know, that's like catnip. They're just like mm-hmm. in there and they want more of that. So like the, uh, you know, the brides on the run is a, a trope. Um, maybe all of the books are friends to lovers or something like that. Um, so a lot of romances are connected by the theme, theme of family. And so like mm-hmm. you'll have, you know, the like five brothers or whatever and then but they can also have cousins or sisters or moms and dads so it doesn't have to be just limited to that but um it just gives you some sort of structuring element and um and a way to market it too so like if all the books take place in san francisco then you've got you know your trope hook and then you've got your location hook people might like to read about the location yeah so it's super flexible and I think it's interesting, too, that you can, of course, layer that on. It made me think of uh, Sean Inman, who's been on the show a couple of times, has the Middle Falls time travel series where anyone who dies with unfinished business in this particular town comes back and relives their life over again from a certain point. So it's, it's a combination of setting, which is Middle Falls, and then also the trope, which is this sort of relive your life over again time travel. Um, but he's used two of them. So that anytime you pick up one of those book, Middle Falls books, you know it's going to be a different protagonist. It may right. be related to, like, for example, his book two is the story of the villain from book one. So you already wow. know one of the characters, but then it's also, you know, he's having to redo this thing. So he's, I guess he's got three different links mm-hmm. in a multi-protagonist 
you know, series. So I, mm-hmm. um, now that I think about it, I see how many ways he's tied that together. But yeah. how, how do you think the readers transition? Like, is, is it the more links, the better, do you think for readers to be able to jump from one to the next? Or what are your thoughts on that? And trying to actually retain readership. Cause you, you mentioned in the book, it can be harder in this type of series. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, it can, you can work it both ways. I think like if you, um, if you're like dependent on the trope, then you just work that trope really hard, you know, and you just emphasize that. Um, if you, I don't know that there's a certain thing that has a stronger draw than the other. I know a lot of um, romance readers, you know, they're, they like the small town romance. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what they focus on, you know, that's what they're looking for and that's what you focus on. Um, I think if you can get people reading in your world and they like your writing style, then that's the strongest draw because hopefully okay. they'll come back no matter what you write about. But, yeah. yeah. I know it can be tough sometimes getting people to switch gears because you did mention, mm-hmm. I know in the book that there's sort of almost like a magnetism where people get stuck in one particular world and they don't really want to shift mm-hmm. to a new series where just to follow the author, you're like, well, I really like these characters. I don't want any new characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've gotten these particular relationships. Um, and of course, people that are writing a straight series with like cliffhangers, for example, they're, they're stuck in one straight line anyway. Um, yeah. But I thought, yeah, I thought yeah. it was interesting that you do pros and cons in the book. Which yeah. I found really helpful. Um, oh, good. As I was reading along, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, you've got to weigh the dangers of doing this, not just the positives of mm-hmm. writing this type of series. I thought that was, that, that was great. Yeah. Well, I did that because like when I started writing, I started a new series and I was like three books. That's all I'm going to do. Three books. And I made my character do a really strong arc Mm -hmm. and she grew and changed at the end of book three. I was like, okay, I'm done. But my readers were like, Hey, can we get Can you do another book? And so I thought, well, I figured out a way to extend the series, but I don't know if I would have made that arc quite so dramatic if I had known that the series was going to go on. So yeah. it's like you kind of, I kind of wrote myself into a corner and I figured a way out of it. <laughs> yeah. I had the same problem where my first uh, three books in my time travel trilogy actually form a circle where the ending to book three starts the beginning of book one in a certain wow. way. So it's really a closed loop. And then I was like, uh-huh. well, how do I write book four? <laughs> so people are like, oh, you need to write another one. I'm like, oh man, like how do I do that? So, um, yeah, you can write yourself into a corner, in this case, a circle. Um, yeah. In my yeah, so, yeah. So if you can kind of figure out what's good or bad about it, you can mm-hmm. maybe prevent some of that. <laughs> yeah, planning ahead. And it does seem very daunting to plot a whole series out in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any tips on how to, like, create a mental roadmap for yourself? Um, and sort of how to figure out, okay, is this enough of an arc to do a four-book series, five-book series, seven-book series? Like, do you have any tips on how to sort of gauge the potential? So I don't plot in great detail. Mm -hmm. I kind of think through, you know, what I... I have a loose idea of Mm -hmm. what each book is going to be and where I'm going to go. And I usually know, okay, like, by the end of book three, I want to have my character at this point. And by the... And then... What I've tried to do is now, since I've learned kind of a little bit more how to do this, I'll think, okay, I'm going to do these first three books, and this is where I want her to be. And then if the series is doing well, I can extend it. I have like another smaller arc that she can go on. Mm. Or if it's not, I can end it there. So okay. I've kind of try and figure out, because I don't want readers to be always saying, well, where's, 
what's the end of, you know, so-and-so's story? What's yeah. going to happen? You know, are they going to get together or not? I want them to have a complete ending, even if I decide that that's the end of the series. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say if you can figure out like the certain points that you want to get to, then you can kind of structure around that. And I don't, some people are way, way, way more detailed than me. But for me, it's like I can't hold that much in my head. And I kind of have to write my way there. But if okay. I know the main points, I kind of can go off that. Yeah, that makes sense. I know yeah. I personally have a problem where I, I was just talking to you about this before the show, is I get distracted halfway through writing one book and I want to go write an entirely <laughs> different book. So yeah. for me, it's important to be able to finish a story, any story, within a series and have a satisfying ending to it because I don't know when I'm going to come back to finish this series. And realistically, right. you probably should. Like You had mentioned that you started writing a whole series in advance before publishing it right? Um, as sort of a marketing strategy where you're making yourself um, complete a trilogy, for example, mm-hmm. without having to worry about the marketing part. Right, um, yeah. Which I guess may be one trick for you to keep yourself mm-hmm. focused, in line yeah. and focused. Because um, yeah. you don't know that the first book doesn't sell or whatever. You just, right. <laughs> you, you know, you can fix it. You, just not take, you put the blinders on. Yeah, you don't, right. don't give up on it. You just have to fix it at that point because you've got two more books. Right. Um, yeah, that's the risk of doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, that's more, I guess, a publishing and marketing decision on that yeah. side of things than more of a, than a creative thing. But yeah. um, one of the things you you talk about was, like you said, you can launch new arcs, of course, on the end of individual arcs. And then, mm-hmm. um, or you can just go ahead and build in an end point where like, okay, it's going to end for sure mm-hmm. here. Such and such character is going to die or whatever's going to happen. Right. Um, and do you, do you have an est- estimate for like what you think, um, either genre wise or are there limits to how long a series can be? Or do you have any recommendations on that to keep from well, getting bored? Um, I think it really varies according to your genre, mm-hmm. because like in mystery, they're like the Jack Reacher series, um, James Bond, those, you know, there's like cozy mystery series that are at like 20, 25 mm-hmm. books yeah. and readers just still want more. Yeah. So I think, you know, that, but it's much more common, I think, in um, like sci-fi and fantasy to have like a three book series, a five book series, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if those readers are more just accepting of that and mystery readers are not familiar with that and they because most of mystery readers want the series to keep going and the concept that it would end is almost unusual there so you um, mentioned in the book that when they killed off sherlock holmes it didn't go well with the readers oh no no and i did not know that it said that the the magazine that was publishing his stories lost like twenty thousand subscribers they were so mad and i thought wow okay so readers are just the same as they used to be you know but um so, yeah, so I think it kind of depends on what your genre wants and then um, what what you feel comfortable with. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, I've I've done a 10-book series, and to me that seemed to go on, as the writer, a little bit long. And so lately I've been doing about six or seven, and that feels comfortable for me. But, you know, I think it just depends on if you still have ideas, if you still have things you want to explore, if you feel like, oh. If it's a slog, then maybe it's time to yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> you mentioned, because I think one of the interesting things you talk about with, um, for example, the flat arc characters, mm-hmm. right? the James Bonds, those kind of people, if they're not changing much, if they're not cha- changing right. from beginning to end very much, and they're always kind of coming back to the status quo or moving on to the next adventure, 
it, there oh. is a risk that they can become a little bit stagnant. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of step up your game when it comes to secondary characters and also the antagonists. Right. So can you talk to us a little bit about how to create an antagonist for a multi-book series or what are some of the options we have there for making that yeah. interesting? Yeah, well, so you can do like every book has a different antagonist mm -hmm. and, you know, it changes in every book. Or you can do an antagonist that um, flows throughout the series or throughout a certain section of the series. Um, so that's what like Moriarty did. That's There's some James Bond villains that are, you know, can continue to reappear. And um, one way you can do it is like you can start out and have your, like the first book, your main character, the antagonist is like an underling. And they solve that, conquer that problem, and then they go, oh, there's actually a bigger bad guy. And so they mm -hmm. kind of work their chain, their way up the chain, you yeah. know, and, to, and the bad guy keeps getting worse and worse. So your readers are going to be like, oh, my goodness, I thought that was the worst thing that could happen. Oh, there's an even bigger villain. So yeah. that can be really compelling. I think it's, of course, the, the Sherlock-Moriarty relationship is, is phenomenal, especially in the mm -hmm. TV show. It's, it's fantastically yeah. acted. And it's, it's like you have to have a villain who is the equal or even yes. smarter than your hero in this case right. um, to be able to mastermind these things. Right. And I think that makes for super compelling villains yeah. and you can pull it off, but it also seems really daunting of like, yes. man, how do I create a bad guy that's this nefarious? Right. Um, always, you know, one step ahead of your hero. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. There's a really good um, Sasha Black. She she has a whole series of books about antagonists and villains. Okay. It's um, yeah. Her first name is S A C H A Black. Okay. So she's got some interesting stuff on that. I think. I'll have to look her up. Much more detailed than than I would get into in this book. Right. Yeah. Because you're focusing on the overall series, not yeah. just individual craft elements. But I did want to yeah. ask you while I've got you on, because I know you write mystery. What were your big mystery resources for when you because I'm interested in learning to start oh, okay. to write mystery stories or, or work that into my time uh -huh. travel for example what were some yeah. of the resources that you uh, okay about? so the very first book I read was called I think you can write a mystery mm -hmm. by um, I think it's Jillian Roberts it's pretty old it might just be in print okay. but it goes into all the clues and red hearings and stuff like that and then um, I read um Plot and Structure by James Scott Bell. That's always mm -hmm. good. Not specifically mystery, but that was really good. And then I was trying to think if there were any other mystery ones. So um, I was looking around and it was, seemed a little tougher. It seemed a little harder yeah. to find instructions on mystery writing. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, I just, you know, finally watched Knives Out the other day. And, uh, oh, I, I love actually, Knives Out. I had to like, people kept mentioning it on podcasts and they kept like skipping ahead 15 seconds to be like, no, don't so spoil it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> yeah. like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know. I know. And, um, finally, so I won't spoil or anything for this show in case yeah. people that haven't listened or watched it yet. But yeah. it's just yeah. so good. Well, I thought that was great because it was, it was a classic mystery, you mm -hmm. know. So and it was it played fair. You know, mm -hmm. you could go there and try and figure out who had done it. And mm -hmm. I think that it appeals to people so much because we don't know the outcome. You know, a lot of the mysteries now are like Agatha Christie remakes and so you already if you're familiar with them you already kind of know who did it so this was all brand new so i think it really what was the people. structural difference there with hers that made it so that you already knew oh just because hers have been out for a while like if oh. you've seen the movie murder on, on the express right. you know how I it's gonna turn the out version. there's no surprise yeah. yeah gotcha okay 
Yeah, so I was just interested in that. Yeah, because I hadn't actually, um, I watched the remake. I hadn't actually ever seen the original and I hadn't read it. So I was I was surprised. But it's, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things like where one time, you only watch it once and then right. you... But then I went back and started rewatching um, Knives Out just because mm-hmm. I want, you almost want to watch it again just to see how they did it, how they right. pulled it off and someone like, I... Um, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but like the opening image, for example, of that mm-hmm. is a mug that says my house, yes. my rules. And then you see it pop up again later in an entirely yes. different context. And you're like, oh, that's where they did that. Yeah. Just, I've, I've seen it twice, even yeah. though I knew it was going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause you do pick up on a lot of the little things that you missed. Mm-hmm. As a mystery writer, do you, does it make you better at guessing who, who did it when it comes to watching mystery movies? Not always. <laughs> no. If they do a good job, they, they've cleverly yeah. disguised it. Yeah, and sometimes you're just so wrapped up in this story that, you know, I'm not yeah. trying to figure out. I'm, I'm always trying to figure it out, but, like, sometimes yeah. I'm much more interested in just the progress of the story. You're like, you just yeah. want to get to the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's fun. It is, it is like a, a mental game that you get to play with the reader mm-hmm. in this case, mm-hmm. of like letting them, it's, it's a more interactive form of story where not only yeah. are they going along for the ride but they're actually being mentally challenged to right. uh, participate and be the sleuth yeah. along with your hero um, yeah i always say that like a mystery is like a mind game where you're mm-hmm. trying to give all the clues in a way that it's not it's all fair but mm-hmm. you're still trying to cover everything up and keep your reader from figuring it out so yeah, yeah it's like a puzzle what do you consider, I mean, obviously you can't break rules, but what are some of the rules that you, when you've mentioned being, playing fair twice, right. like, what do you mean by that, by playing fair? Well, what are some of the things? Um, so that the reader always, or listener, or whatever, always knows exactly what the sleuth knows. So you mm. can't have somebody go, oh, they opened the box and there was the final clue and then they close it and they never describe what was in the box. Because right. that just makes mystery readers infuriated. Yeah. Um, another thing is you can't have somebody come on like in the last act and have them be the murderer. You right. murderer. You have to have all the suspects introduced early on. So kind of like you have a chance. You have a fighting yeah. chance to figure it out. There's a lot of things like that that you know, m- hardcore mystery readers will throw the book across the room if things like mm, that happen. It's cheating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can understand yeah. that completely. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, and I, I imagine there's some certain tropes. I, this one, like for Knives Out, kind of was a little bit different, but I, I'm used to the old Nick and Nora, um, yes. you know, kind of where, you know, the Thin Man episodes where, you know, he, at, the, or at the end, he, he, he got a whole, all of them together. Yes. And yeah. I guess Mr., you know, Murder in the Order Express was the same way. Everyone's together and you're like, right. it's so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And um, is that a trope that's pretty, like, expected? Um, I don't think that's as common as it used okay. to be. I mean, much more common now is like the final confrontation between, mm. because I think mystery readers, even though the, even though most of the time, or it's often a flat art character, I think mm. they do want to see growth and change a little bit in yeah. the characters over time. And so if there's a confrontation, then you can see, oh, how your sleuth has figured things out and kind of maybe they've learned something in a, a previous case that they remember and they go, oh, and that helps them solve the case. Okay. You know, so, yeah, I don't think that the gathering all the suspects in the library is as common as it used to be, mm-hmm. but, um, and if you can work it out where that happens, I think readers like that. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a TV show now, Death in Paradise, that's okay. on, it's a, like a British show, and it does the same thing at the end. They always gather all the suspects together and go through the list. It's very uh, Agatha Christie-like. Yeah. So it still happens. 
Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, people, if people have certain expectations and they know what they're in for, and that's what the, if that's what they're watching yeah. for, then you don't want to deprive them of that necessarily. Yeah. Um, you mentioned on the in the blurb for your book, you say you talk about how to save time writing your series and how to keep track of details. Is this like a, a story bible type situation, or yeah. what do you recommend? Yeah. Well, like for me, what but I didn't do a story bible when I started, and I really wished I had because mm-hmm. um, you know. And it can be any form. That's what I've learned is, you know, some people like to use like an Excel spreadsheet where they keep track of all the little details about personalities and traits and characteristics. And then um, what I've started using is Trello, which is like a online, it's a free app that you can um, kind of organize things in. You can put Mm -hmm. images in there. So a lot of times I'll put an image in that reminds me of my character and then I'll put the notes about them in there. But um, yeah, if you can keep track of it, especially if you're going to do a long series because you may have a character that shows up in book three and then you don't see them again for a couple of books. And then you're like, ah, they had a tattoo, but I don't remember if it was on the right arm or the left arm, you know, stuff like that. So that can help. And, um, you know, and if you don't do that, it's okay. You can go back and you can find the details. It just may take a little bit longer. One thing I didn't know is that there are virtual assistants that they will read your books and they'll create these for you. Yeah. I've seen that, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't tried that, but that's an option if you don't have the time, and you know, and a lot of people listen to their audiobooks I do that. or reread the books. You know, yeah. if I'm about yeah. to pick back up in a series I haven't touched in a while, I'll go listen to the audio first. Um, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah, just to get back in the rhythm of the of the world and the, mm-hmm. what it's like there, and um, yeah. Um, another question that I, I had, just thinking, because I'm thinking about getting into this world of trying to write a slightly more flat art character that's more episodic mm-hmm. over time. Um, one mm-hmm. of the things, especially in mystery, in mystery um, they'll usually give the protagonist some sort of quirk um, mm-hmm. that is consistent. Sherlock, of course, I mean, he, he was an opioid addict. He had like, he, yeah. you know, he, he had a lot of quirks. He was very antisocial, you know, not, he was kind of um, almost asexual in his relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, there were certain things that were very distinct about him. Um, and you can have, of course, variations on that. Of course, Psych, you know, the TV show. Yeah. I've seen that. He's, you know, he's very clever, but he's pretending to be a, a psychic. Like, right, yeah. Um, do you have any tips on how to make your protagonist stand out like that? How to make them memorable and for people to want to come back and hang out with them, even though they're not changing that much over time? Yeah. I think that um, it's kind of changed because, like, Agatha Christie's characters, you were not usually inside the main character's head. Mm. So... You so other people would observe them, and yeah. they would have interesting quirks. And now I think a lot of, it lots lots of cozy mysteries. The the narration is first person or okay. really close third. Yeah. So that might might be a little bit harder. But I think that if you can make your character relatable, and then a lot of times in a cozy mystery, it's something that's like a, it's the hook for the series. Mm-hmm. They do, there's a lot of like craft. And um, like hobby mysteries are really popular. So like maybe your character knits some kind of special knitting thing. Um, Or um, I thought this would be hilarious. I read about this. There's like this whole movement of um, people who do like needlepoint. I can't think of the name, but they call it like subversive needlepoint. And they needlepoint 
all these sayings that like are not home sweet home. They're yeah. kind of like rude sayings. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious to that have. You know, that would be something that people would remember. Like you know? quotes from your book or, end up at you know stitched on someone's you know cross yeah. stitch somewhere. So I don't know. So sometimes if you can find something funny or just unusual or just take something and just like give it a little twist mm-hmm. that makes people remember it, um, I think that would be that would be good. And um, if it can grow out of like whatever they're good at, like if they yeah. have a great memory, maybe it can be something associated with that. Yeah. You know, and if you can tie it into the mystery, that's even better, I think. Yeah, if that particular skill comes in handy every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And I was I was going to ask you about the POV thing because it seems like a lot of these characters do have a. I, I mean, Jack Reacher, I guess, is third person, right? And that's multi POV. Yeah. Um, but I know, for example, I was listening to uh, Jim Butcher, The Dresden Files, where he has a, uh, a, a wizard detective, but you're in right. his head, your you're first-person point of view the whole time. And it's right. partly what makes you like the character mm-hmm. is that you feel so much a part of his life. And uh, right. I think Kevin Hearn yeah. does the same thing with his Druid Chronicles. So, yeah. Yeah. I think now it's much more flexible. I think you can do... Um, whatever you feel is comfortable for you and good for the story. Because if you have, if your readers are following along with your sleuth and your first person, Mm -hmm. they can only know what the sleuth knows. Mm -hmm. But if you're multi-point of view, your reader can know more. And so in a way that can, you can create more suspense that way because, Mm -hmm. oh, they know that so-and-so did this, but your main character doesn't know that. Yeah, I can see that being, and I do have, trouble sometimes writing first person point of view is how to show the antagonist and what they're up to mm-hmm. if your yes. POV character doesn't know. Um, it yes. often lends itself towards having this sort of big reveal at yes. the end where you, you finally encounter the, you have to find ways to, to run into the antagonist throughout the story without having a final confrontation, which can be right. difficult. Yeah. Um, trying to pull that off multiple times. Um, yeah. So yeah, I have seen I have seen some books where you get the main character most of the time, and then like there's little uh, sections where it's from the point of view of the antagonist, and you see the world through their eyes, but only for a chapter. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. it's like a tenth of the book. You know, and it's probably so close third as opposed to like yeah. first person first, yeah. antagonist. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, because that's I mean these are some of the big questions that you have to think about in mm-hmm. advance of writing the series because. Again, you might write yourself into a corner and realize you've got no way of revealing this information or um, yeah. telling the reader what they need to know without having to resort to some sort of hokey yeah. trick. You know, yeah, rewriting. That's, yeah. Where we, that's where rewriting comes in. And I think most things can be fixed. Some of it just takes longer to fix than others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even if you make a mistake with the series, it's okay. Because, like, when I did that where I had the three and I thought, you know, that's it, I'm done then I was like, I eventually figured out a way to kind of make the series take a turn, but mm. it was a lot of work. So mm. I, you can figure it out. Yeah. Um, one of the things you mentioned is in your blurb as well is like how to figure out when to end the series. What are some of your, what's some of your guidance there on how mm-hmm. to, when to make the judgment call? Like this is it, I'm yeah. stopping. Yeah. Well, so this is, I, this is taking me a while to figure out because like in the mystery world series can go on forever mm-hmm. and readers sort of, exp- or my readers kind of expect a series to continue. So the idea of ending a series is new to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I've, I've personally decided like if I'm not interested in the characters anymore, if, because you know, you, a mystery, a novel, that's a big investment of time and thought and 
And if I'm not into it, it's just going to be drudgery. So that's yeah. one. Um, another is if I'm having trouble coming up with stories, like maybe I've told all the stories there are to tell for that person, you know, yeah. um, unless I can figure out some new thing that they need to do. Uh, maybe I introduce a new character, you know, uh, maybe their life takes a turn, they get remarried, get divorced, something, you know, that gives you something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Some of the other things would be, um, if this, and then you can look at it too, like financially, if the series isn't selling, then maybe it's time to end it. Even if you have diehard fans, mm-hmm. you know, if the series isn't selling and if it's not growing over time, and I think yeah. series do kind of, some of them atrophy, you know, like you have like the, the read through kind of trails off as the older the series gets, the more books you have out. So it may not be, it might be smarter financially to wrap up that series and start a new one. Yeah. And you mentioned something in here that I think is very relevant is that oftentimes your books get better over time, but you're still tied to the first book of your series. Yes. So whatever skill level you were at when you put out your first book in that series, that's the intro. That's the flag yes. that everyone's seeing right out of the gate and whether they read the rest of yours or not. Um, you know, I'm in that boat. The very the first book of my main series is what the first book I ever wrote. So yeah. um, for me, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I can still write in that world, but create a new entry point. Right. Maybe yes. create a spinoff. Yes, um, I think that's yeah. I think that's a good solution to that because yeah. I think we all hopefully we all get better as we write, and yeah. then so like your seventh book might be your best, mm-hmm. but most readers aren't going to come in at book seven. Even mm-hmm. in the uh, like multi protagonist series, mm-hmm. I've had romance readers say you know they people want to start with book one, you know the first one and read through. So yeah. so doing a spinoff or creating it like a different universe or a related you know, world in the same universe mm-hmm. can can be a good solution to that. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for creating spinoffs as far as any guidance on how to do it in a way that, that works well? Well, if you have a character that everybody loves, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, can they support a series on their own? That might be a good place to start. Um, what I did was I had a series, the um, Murder on Location series that's a contemporary series, and I was I wanted to write a historical, and so I thought, I, one day I just thought, well, why don't I set it in that same world in England in this little village, mm-hmm. but take it back to the 1920s? Because one day I thought, wow, I wonder what Nether Woodsmore would have been like in 1920, and so then that set me off on this whole tangent that became yeah. a series. So the books are, the series are related, but you know, hardcore diehard readers will go look for the other one when they read one, you know? Yeah. So you can, re- you can, it doesn't have to be linked through a character. It could be linked through a place. Um, yeah. It could, you know, however creative you can be, I think would be, I mean, it could be like some sort of object or, you know, yeah. you know, sci-fi and fantasy, I think would lend itself more to like the owner, like you could have like the owner of a sword that through time or something. Sure. You know, or spaceship, you know, whoever's the yeah. captain of this particular spaceship, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to get creative with it for sure. I think that's yeah. interesting. And of course it cuts down on your research time. Yes. If you've already yeah. made the setting and you've already researched the setting once to just populate it with different characters, saves so right. much research time. And yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if you're doing historical stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for me, a lot of times it's like, Thinking of the names of the village and the town, you know, and the shops and everything, and then all that's mm-hmm. done for you. Yeah, so. I do, of course, time travel writing, so I can use the same place of course, across different times, um, yeah. which is helpful, and you know, yeah. use the same location, but just yeah. age it or 
you know, yeah. something like that, which, yeah. which and is, then that's got to be interesting because you can describe how it's changed or what mm -hmm. it looked like in the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah. And I have a multiverse so I can have different versions of the same city. One that's like, oh, this one got taken out by an apocalypse. This one didn't, you know, so <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of ways you can play around with that in time travel. Yeah, um, that's very cool. Yeah. One, um, one thing you mentioned too in your blurb that I want to cover before we wrap up, I know we're kind of past a half hour already, but um, you talk about marketing. Do you have any um, good marketing tips for series that you've, you know, people can expect to find in your books or what, what are some, what are some yeah. tips? Well, I think a series has great marketing potential because mm -hmm. like you said, you've, it, it allows you to market book one and then hopefully people will read through because mm -hmm. most people are going to want to start with book one. So it yeah. kind of helps you um, consolidate your time and your money. You can focus on book one. And then I know people that they also run ads on the new release book four or five or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, if you can keep people coming into book one, it's like that whole funnel thing where you, yeah. you get people reading and then hopefully they read through and not everybody is going to go on. But if you can you know, concentrate on that, that's a good marketing technique and then you have all kinds of things you can do you can bundle your series you know you can do like three books and sell those or you can do like a whole series bundle you know there's just all kinds of things you can do in your combinations or another thing you can do is you can take like if you have a whole bunch of different series you could put like every book one into mm -hmm. a bundle and have like a sampler series you know like a starter pack or something yeah. like that so I think there's a lot of things you can do. And then some people, you know, they would just, you know, try and bundle different uh, aspects of the series maybe. So, you know, just your creativity can yeah. be your limit, you know, is the only thing. So Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you touch on, I haven't gotten all the way through the book, but I don't know if you touch on audio at all or anything like that. Do you, do you um, what are your thoughts on narration for a series? Do you think that it needs to be the same narrator the whole, t whole way through? Um, um I think it are? is probably best if you can do that, but um, I was in the situation where I couldn't get the same narrator mm -hmm. for the whole series, so I ended up changing at book three, which I didn't want to do, but I, mm -hmm. I did want the books out in audio, so yeah. you know, I think that's probably the best situation if you can have the same narrator, but um, how sometimes was your it's just not realistic. Yeah, how was your response to that? Did, the, did people go with it? or? Yeah, it's been fine, so oh, good. yeah, okay. so yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, like I said, I've really been enjoying the book um, so far. I'm getting a lot out of it. My my mind is just like racing with ideas, which, like I said, is partly bad because I'm in the middle of writing yeah. a different book that I need to be concentrating on. And <laughs> reading your How to Write a Series book and, and just my brain's all over the place. Um, oh, well, that's good though. But yeah, I'm glad I, it's been interesting and helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Really enjoying um, all of it. So I, I think yeah. it's going to be. Uh, good for people to check out. So I did post a, a link, of course, in the comments. People can can click on that and go go check the book out. I I highly recommend it. Um, I'll be sure to you know leave you a review at the end because, like I said, I'm getting a lot out of it. Um, okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, this is this has been very informative. Lots of good tips, and okay. um, I always enjoy talking to you. Anyway, of course. Yeah, and you're you like structure. You like to talk I about do. structure I'm and a major plotting. Stru structure nerd. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like. I guess it's that, you know, the creativity flourishes in confinement sometimes where yes. like at least you want to know where's my playground? Where, yeah. where, where do I play yeah. in here? Yeah. And, um, yeah. As someone, and if I, yeah. Oh, oh I was going to say like, if I can kind of see the structure, mm -hmm. the different types of structure, it helps me kind of organize my ideas and figure out what I want to do. That helps mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And, um, 
for me, I'm a big think ahead type person in terms of like stuff needs to brew for a while mm -hmm. in my head before it comes out on the page. Otherwise I get frustrated and, yeah. um, and I end up in the soggy middle where I am now in my current <laughs> book where I'm just floundering around because I didn't spend I'm, enough time thinking. I'm right there with you. So yeah. working on that right now. We all, we all hit that point at some point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, but thank you very much for, for taking the time to come and, First off, taking the time to write this book because there aren't very many books out there, like if any, out there like this. So I think it's a great resource for writers. And oh, then thanks. I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it and sharing some of the tips for today. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And I love to talk about structure and plot anytime. Yeah. So that's great. Where can people find uh, you if on the internet or where they want to um, come learn more about this? Oh, well, my website is just sarahrosette.com, just S-A-R-A-R-O-S-E-T-T, -T, mm -hmm. and it's on, the book is on all retailers. You can find it everywhere. Okay, fantastic. And definitely check out the Wish I'd Known Then for Writers uh, <laughs> podcast. If you guys are listening to this podcast, want another, add another great podcast to your, to your week. Um, what you guys put it out on, what is it, Tuesdays? Tuesdays, yeah. Okay. If all goes well, Tuesdays. Yeah, all right, good. So, yes, yeah, so definitely add that to your to your listens as well because I, I think it's been a lot of fun listening to those. Um, yeah. Always room for more podcasts. Yeah, that's what we think too. Yeah. Always so. always looking for a good one, so that's good. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, this has been fun, and I hope hopefully we'll have you again uh, as a guest in the future. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and for watching, and we've got another great interview next week, so we'll see you all next week. So long. Thanks. Bye.